And I want you to be thinking whether this is, hopefully you have something to think about here in the last couple of days, but if not, that's all right, we're, we're going to start wherever you are at. Think of the last time someone did something nice for you. Nice, just maybe a small thing, maybe it was a big thing, but just something that you would say, man, that, that was just really thoughtful, that was just really nice. Maybe it's somebody you know well, it could be a spouse, it could be a family member, a close friend. Maybe this is a stranger, you know, somebody just opened the door for you and you're like, wow, people don't do that anymore. And you're just amazed at how nice this person was. Maybe somebody bought your coffee, maybe somebody sent you an encouraging text and it just kind of made your day. Maybe somebody did nothing but just smile at you. And that makes a big difference. Think back, when was the last time someone did something just nice to you? Now think of how it made you feel. I was walking through a restaurant with my, with my kids. We, Becky and I take turns kind of like dating our kids, so it was my turn to take all three of them out. Yeah, and... Uh, and so we're walking into Chipotle, and it's like, I've got one here that doesn't want to be held in, but needs to be held, and then I have another one that wants to be held, but I don't have enough hands for, and another one that I really kind of lost track of. And I start walking through this door, trying to get a door, and somebody, no clue who they were, never seen them, never met them before, but saw the fiasco that was taking place, and did the simple thing of, oh, let me get a door for you. And then they give you one of those smiles like, bless your heart. <laughs> Does your wife know you're out with them? Should I call somebody? Right? It was just super nice, and it just made a big impact, and don't know their name, don't know who they were, but moments like that stick with us, don't they? Right? Whether, again, whether it's a close friend, family member, or a complete stranger, when someone does something just nice, man, it makes a major impact in our lives. Here's what I believe about relationships, specifically real relationships, and oftentimes we think these real, deep, meaningful relationships have to have a lot of proximity and a lot of time, like we have to be around that person all the time to make a big impact and a big influence in their lives. I mean, I think that helps, and there's some truth to that, but not completely true. That stranger in Chipotle made a big difference in my life, and I've never, never met them before, never will see them again, don't know their name, don't know anything about them, but it impacted me in a pretty great way. You could have people in your life, and you could be that person in somebody else's life that makes a great impact by doing something that we might just say is nice. But it goes beyond just nice, doesn't it? I believe that real relationships carry this great capacity, that they have the capacity to have incredible impact in other people's lives. I'm saying they carry the capacity. I'm not saying it's always going to happen, but there's the potential there. There's the possibility there. Your relationships, how you interact with one another, again, close friends, family member, but a complete stranger, how we interact with other people carries the capacity for great impact, incredible impact, influence that would go beyond what you would necessarily even imagine. That person that opened the door for me, I probably thought that no big deal, I'm just doing a nice thing for somebody else, probably hasn't thought about it since. But to the person on the receiving end, it made a huge difference. So as we talk through this morning and kind of look at real relationships from maybe the other side of the coin, where it's not just those deep relationships that we've known for a long time or that we would say are intimate, close relationships, those most certainly are part of today's conversation. But it doesn't begin and end there. It's, it's part of it, but we have to look at all those other relationships as well. And if you want to have great influence and great impact with people around you, close and people you would say aren't close to you, 
You just want to be a person that has great impact and carries great influence. You have to look at those relationships. You have to look at people a little bit differently if you want to be someone that has these real and impactful relationships. I'm not a uh, person that would be considered to have a green thumb by any means. In fact, this plant was bought brand new yesterday, will probably be dead by the end of church today. I don't have the capacity to take care of, of living things, barely three kids, and much less another living thing in our house. That's why we don't have pets or plants. We have children. That's all we can handle right now. But if you think of our relationships in terms of plants, I know, stick with me. You're going to see where I'm going here in a second. We have a great responsibility. See, it's not my job to make this plant grow. There's nothing that I could do to, to mess with the DNA and the function of this plant. That's something God does. God has created this plant and is going to grow this plant. But there are some things that I am responsible for. There are some things that I can do that would actually help give it the opportunity to thrive. There's also some things that I could do that would really hinder it from thriving. So you know these things. I mean, just basic plant and gardener 101. You have to what? Give it water. You have to give it water. You have to make sure it has enough what? Sunlight, which praise Jesus, we have that today. Woo! Finally. Man, it's amazing you're at church this morning. It's amazing I'm at church this morning. So you, you, you have to make sure it has enough sunlight. You have to make sure that the soil is the right kind of soil and, and at the right pH level. And there are even some plants that there has to be this specific type of soil and it can't be too acidic or it can't be too this. And you have to make sure it's just right. You have to make sure that when you plant it, it has a certain depth in the soil. And some plants are so high maintenance that they have to be spaced a certain distance apart from each other. Some plants are so high maintenance that they can only take a certain amount of sunlight. Did you know some plants prefer morning sunlight versus evening sunlight? Yeah, you're starting to think like, this sounds like the people I'm married, the person I'm married to. Don't go there with me. There's a lot of things we can do that doesn't make it grow, but there's a lot of things we can do that cultivate, right? That give it the opportunity to thrive. Doesn't guarantee that it's going to make it, but we're going to do everything we possibly can. And sure, if, if I just neglected it, and which is probably what gonna, what's going to happen after today, it's going to sit someplace and we're not going to touch again. Guess what? Over time, it's going to eventually start to die and it's not going to thrive anymore. There's things we can do that help it grow, that help it thrive, that give it the best opportunity to thrive. And there's things that we can do that do the exact opposite of that. But we have to identify our roles only take us so far. My role in being a gardener can only take me so far. At some point, God's got to step in and do what a creator can only do. Now, let me go a step further. Husbands, listen up on this one. The word husband literally is husbandmen. And husbandmen literally translated means gardener. So husband, your job's different than what you thought it was, isn't it? Yeah. Now, don't go, to the, well, I have a high-maintenance plant. No. <laughs> doesn't work like that. That's the one you got. You've got it one job to cultivate. Now you can't force and you can't create and you can't make it happen. But husbands, for me and you for a second, we have a very intentional, a very specific job that is cultivating and making sure that the environment is right and that the soil's right and that there's enough sunlight but not too much and the right kind of, and all these different things go into creating an environment where this relationship can thrive. Now, wives, you're not off the hook either, even though that's not what wives literally means. We see the relationship dynamic, don't we? 
where you have to put something into this. You, in other words, have to take responsibility of that relationship. I would even say take ownership of that responsibility. As a gardener, I can't walk up to this plant and say, so what are you going to do for me? Come on, what you got? Nothing. Well, I'm just going to wait till you do something, then I'll think about doing something. Right? It doesn't work that way, does it? No, as a gardener, I have to step in and I have to start. I have to go first. I have to work overtime to make sure that this environment is right, that I cultivate it just right, that I do everything I possibly can, and then i got to let God take over from there. The relationship between a plant and a gardener is very one-sided. <laughs> and oftentimes in our relationships, we feel like, well, man, I just feel like I'm doing all the work. Okay. So... That's what we want to look at this morning. What does it look like when it feels like it's a little one-sided? Does that get us off the hook? Sometimes we ask the question, when is enough enough? When do we just get the opportunity or when do we get permission to just like, no, I've got to be done or it's not worth it anymore? And I think what we're going to see this morning is going to help us in those real relationships to help us create those environments, cultivate a culture where relationships around you thrive in a way that you would never think possible. If you have your Bibles, head over to Luke chapter five. Luke chapter five. I'll confess, this is a passage of scripture. If you've been with me long enough, you've heard me preach this multiple times because every pastor's kind of got their go-tos. This is one that has greatly impacted my life over and over and over and over again, and it fits exactly what we're gonna be looking at this morning. Luke chapter five, starting in verse 17. Let me set the scene for you. It says this. One day Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. So in other words, people were coming from all over just to see Jesus, just to get a glimpse of Jesus, just to see what Jesus might do, what he might say. The rumors around Jesus have spread And people are asking, have you heard what Jesus did? Did you see what Jesus did? Did you hear what Jesus said? And so people, Pharisees, religious leaders, common people, everybody are coming from all over just to hear what Jesus might say and watch what he might do. Verse 18, some men, say some men with me, some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. Now stop there for a moment. We have to unpack that. There's a lot right there. Says some men. Now we would like to say that these were family members, that these were close friends. We have no clue if that's true. All we know that they were, what was it? You said it with me. They were some men. So these could be strangers or these could be best friends. They could be brothers or they could have been acquaintances. We don't know. And the point is, when we talk through this morning, you can't just think me and my spouse, me and my kids, me and my best friends. You gotta think me and people. Me and every person I come in contact with, me and every person that sees me once, twice, or every day. It says some men came carrying a paralyzed man, and it says to a house. Jesus was actually preaching in a house. This wasn't the temple like normal. Jesus had found a house and was preaching and teaching there. So they were trying to get Jesus to this house where Jesus was. Now the goal for these some men is pretty interesting. They don't come out, we don't have a great dialogue between these some men and that paralyzed man. I would love to know that dialogue and how this started. Hey man, you busy today? No, I stay put every day. Yeah, what you see is what you get. He says, well, we've got some great news for you. Jesus is in town, not too far from here, and he's healing people. We want to take you. And I don't know how excited or how nervous this paralyzed man was, but regardless, these some men took it upon themselves to say, we're going to get you to Jesus. Now, that's important because so often we would look at this situation and say one of two things. Well, I'm going to try to fix it. I'm going to try to fix you. 
Or we say, there's no way that anything could really help or fix you, so I'm just going to stay back. We usually go to one of those two, don't we? We try to fix it. We try to take it upon ourselves to take care of everything and fix the other person. Or it seems so impossible, so out of this world, so crazy that anything could be fixed that we just say, it's not even worth my time. Why bother? And for the majority of people that would have passed by this paralyzed man day after day after day would have thought one of those two, probably on the ladder that said, man, I'm really sorry. I, I mean, I sympathize, but I, I don't know if there's anything here it is that I can do. There's nothing that I can really do. I'll pray for you. I mean, if I can drop some money in, in the box for you, I will. If I, can, if I can do anything, man, let me know. But I don't think there's anything I could do. These some men were not trying to fix him. And yes, it seemed impossible, but their job was not to fix him. They recognized where their role began and ended and where only Jesus's could pick up from there. Their entire goal was simply to get this man to Jesus. Look at it again. It says, these some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. That's it. That's it. They made no promises that everything would be better. They had no hopes and dreams that everything would be all right. They just said, our job right here, right now, is to get this man to Jesus. Because that's something we can do, they said. I can't fix him, I can't heal him, I can't do really anything, but I most certainly can pick up this guy and carry him to the house where Jesus is. Let's just leave him at the feet of Jesus and let Jesus take care of what only Jesus can do. They recognized where their role started and ended and where Jesus has had to pick up. They realized what they could do, but also what they could not do. And I think this is a, a great internal question to ask if you want to write this down. As you think about the people in your life, fill in the blank here. Is blank, put a person's name in there, or just in general, are people better and closer to Jesus because of me? Ask yourself that question. Think through the people you interact with. The people closest to you, but also the barista that you get your coffee from. The waiter or the waitress that you interact with when you go to a restaurant. The person you drive next to. <laughs> Are people better and closer to Jesus because of me? It's a hard question. It's a convicting question. But these men said, we want this man to be better and closer to Jesus because of us. And there's nothing we can do to help that except carry him and get him to Jesus. That's all they could do, and that's all they set out to do. Now, here's the key word in this first part of this passage here. It says they tried. Did you catch that? It says, some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him to lay him before Jesus. So they tried. In other words, man, we have a great goal. We've got great hearts. We've got great intentionalities. We've got a great motivation. Man, we feel like this is the right thing to do. But we tried. It's not working. In fact, we see why it's not working in the very next verse. Verse 19 it says, when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd... They, I want you to hold up there. If you've got your Bible, stop reading. Don't be an overachiever for a second. Stay with me. They tried to do this. They felt like this was the right thing. They wanted to make an impact in this guy's life, and they knew all they had to do was get him to Jesus. And they wanted to do that, and they, they carried him for who knows how far to get him to the house where Jesus was, but then they couldn't. They tried but couldn't, and why couldn't they? It says, because of a, do you remember the group of people? What did it say? There was a crowd and oftentimes the crowd gets a bad rap. The crowd here is not bad people. Remember, religious leaders, these are people that wanted to hear Jesus. They came from all over to just look and see what Jesus might do, to hear the words that he might speak. The crowd were people that wanted to see Jesus. In fact, they wanted to see Jesus so badly that they were crammed into this little house where Jesus was. 
They were so packed in there that anybody knew that wanted to be able to walk into that house would be unable to. Oh, and so often, let me talk to like the career Christians for a second. So often, we are so focused on Jesus, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but we get so focused that we forget about everybody else that might need him. Jesus said, yeah, if you wanna really love me, well, love others like I've loved you. And we miss that part, don't we? Well, man, it's all about Jesus. And I'm not saying it's not, but there's a peripheral vision we have to maintain. And this crowd was so focused on just seeing Jesus for themselves that this man that most desperately needed Jesus was unable to get to Jesus. I'm not saying they intentionally kept him out. I'm not saying they were being mean about it. I'm just saying they were so blinded that they missed out on the other people around them. So these some men tried, but the crowd got in their way, so they dot, dot, dot. And here's where we like to make a line in the sand, so to speak. Here's where in our relationships we like to say, you know what, we tried, not our fault, it just didn't work out. We gave it our best. I mean, we had the great heart. We had the great idea to carry this man to Jesus. We get there. Man, we tried to get into the house to Jesus. We tried to get him to Jesus, but man, there's just a lot of people. Not our fault, their fault. If you want to blame somebody, blame them. It's not my fault. We did everything that we possibly could. And then you look at the guy and say, man, I'm sorry. I guess we'll like leave you here. And maybe when Jesus leaves, he'll see you. See, in our relationships, we like to have enough is enough drawn somewhere. I mean, I've worked really hard. I've done everything that I possibly can. It's just not working. I just, I guess, I guess this is where we call it quits. Now, don't mishear me here. Don't, don't take what I'm saying out of context. There are some relationships that need to be ended. We could all go through our past and think of relationships that, well, I should have ended that sooner, or I'm glad that relationship is over. I'm not saying all relationships require us to stick with it forever. I'm talking about the relationships that are right but difficult. I'm talking about the relationships that are good but hard to continue to see through. So those abusive, those harmful, those toxic relationships, those need to be ended. Enough is enough on some of those, and that's another conversation. But those relationships that God has put in your life, that he has put certain people in your life and you in their lives, but it's difficult and it's hard and we get tired, we get burned out, and it's just like, my goodness, if they say that thing one more time, it's those pet peeves that just drive you crazy and you just put so much into it and you don't feel like you're getting anything back. I'm talking about those relationships where we like to have that line that says, man, isn't this enough enough? Can't we just call it quits now? But here we see these some men say, no, enough is not enough. Our job is to get this man to Jesus no matter what? And it requires being a little creative. It requires doing something extraordinary instead of just ordinary. And it requires something called resilience. Relationships must display resilience. You can't be willing to just, man, this seems great until it's not, and then call it quits. You've got to show, display, have resilience in those real relationships. Because a real relationship is hard. That's okay. Don't apologize for relationships being difficult. It's worth the work. It does take effort. You can't just sit by and, and just expect something to blossom in a relationship without work and without effort. So don't apologize for it. Don't think that's a bad thing. If your relationship takes work, good. That's a good relationship. If it, take, if it doesn't require any work at all, I would be questioning how real that relationship truly is. It requires resilience, displaying resilience. 
Here's another way to ask this one. I'll give you another convicting question. Is your love greater than their mistakes? Is your love greater than their personality traits? Is your love greater than their situation? At some point, that's what we're saying. When we say, is enough enough, we're saying, my love is no longer bigger than fill in the blank. Well, you don't know what they've done. You're right, I don't. But you're responsible for you. And if we are to love others the way that Jesus loved us, that's a great kind of love. That's a big kind of love. Again, you've got to sift this through. Is that relationship healthy or is it toxic, harmful, and abusive? You have to figure that out. But if you're saying, you know what, this, this has hope and this has possibilities and that incredible impact I could have in their life, man, this is worth the work. Is my love greater than their mistakes and those problems? For these some men, they said, yes, it's worth it. And our love is bigger. So look at what they did when they tried but could not, when the crowd got in the way. Let me finish verse 19. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they, here's what they did. They went up on the roof and they lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. Let that scene sink in. Can you imagine somebody that tried to get to church and they couldn't because of the crowd? And so what they did is they climbed up on my building and they walked this guy to about right here and started putting holes in my roof that already has a couple leaks. They made the roof a little bit bigger with a hole. And while I'm talking, while everybody else is listening and glued onto the best sermon you've ever heard, all of a sudden, <laughs> this man starts coming through a hole in my roof, lowering down. And at this point, everybody stops paying attention. Eyes aren't here, but eyes are up there. And then eyes go back here like, what's, what's he going to do? And he goes back and forth and back and forth until this man slowly but surely swings all the way down in front of the platform. We'd be thinking, what is going on? And you look up and you see these some men with heads poked out of the roof, just waving. We got him to Jesus. Woo! <laughs> Remember, they're in somebody's house. That poor guy that owned that house says, that's my roof. <laughs> You're interrupting Jesus. How dare you? They look down and there's Jesus. And at the feet of Jesus is this man, somehow tied to his mat with a rope that goes from the roof all the way down. Now, it's kind of a funny scene, but it's a scene that was required to show this real relationship. In other words, in other words understand this. It required something above and beyond. It required something extraordinary. So often, our relationships get kind of ordinary because we do ordinary things. We respond with people in an ordinary way. They said, no, 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 no. If, if we can't make this work, we have to respond in an extraordinary way, which in this case, not in every situation. Don't go putting holes in people's roofs just because you heard it on a Sunday. But in this case, the extraordinary act of love was putting a hole in a roof and lowering him to Jesus. In other words, stopping at nothing to get this man to Jesus. And they finally get him there. And everybody's like, what's he going to do? What's Jesus going to do? Is he going to rebuke the guys that put the hole in the roof? Is he going to apologize to everybody? Is he going to talk to this man that really had no clue how this was going to play out? Look at what happens next. As they lowered him right in front of Jesus, verse 20, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, talking to the paralyzed man, friend, your sins are forgiven. 
The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking, and he asked them, why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier to say your, your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. In other words, he's saying, let me show you and not just tell you who I am. That's what he's getting at. So that's what he does. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, went home, praising God. There's a, there's a part here that stands out amongst all the other parts. And the main part is, is understanding that your relationships have great power. That your relationships, those real relationships, and again, I'm saying real relationships aren't just the people that you're closest to. Real relationships are about how you treat other people. Are you doing it with love and sincerity and heart and compassion? And that kind of love carries great power, the capacity for incredible impact, incredible influence. Because look at this, don't miss this. Once they got him right in front of him, verse 20, when Jesus saw, did you catch what it said? When he saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. This is unbelievably significant, so if you get one thing, please take this thing here. Understand who Jesus is talking to. When Jesus saw their faith, the guys who made the hole in the roof, when he saw their faith, he looked at the paralyzed man and said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Do you understand the power of those friends, of those some men, the impact and the influence that they carried by doing nothing except doing whatever it took to get them to Jesus? It was their faith. So I don't know what might happen in the people in your life by your faith. But your relationships carry weight, carry power, carry influence in incredible ways in unbelievably incredible ways. When Jesus saw their faith, I wonder what he would say to you and I, well, because of your faith, Brian, here's what I'm gonna do with your marriage. Because of your faith, Brian, here's what I'm gonna do with your kids. Because of your faith, Brian, here's what we're gonna do in your church. Because of your faith, Brian, put your name in there, here's what I'm gonna do. Remember, our roles end somewhere. The relationships that we have, we have a start and end to our roles in those relationships. For those some men, they had the starting point of getting that man to Jesus, and it ended when they got him to Jesus. What Jesus did beyond that was now watch and wait. Let me just see what Jesus is going to do. And can you imagine what might happen in those interactions, with those acquaintances, with those relationships that you have, if you just said, you know what, my job is to point you to Jesus, leave you better off and closer to Jesus, and I can't wait. I'm going to have a front row seat looking down through a hole in the roof to see what Jesus does in your life. What if we came to each person we interacted with, said, I wonder how Jesus is going to use this moment. When I open a door for somebody, I have no idea what Jesus might do with that. When I pay for somebody's coffee, I have no idea what Jesus might do with that, but let's wait and see. When I take a meal to somebody because I know they're in a time of hurt and need, I can't wait to see what Jesus might do in that moment because of something that I can do. So often we try to play the end game. Well, Jesus, I can't, so I'm not even going to bother. For these some men, they could not heal this man, but they could get him to Jesus, and who knows what Jesus might do when we get him there. Because of their 
faith. Jesus said, friend, your sins are forgiven. And ultimately, he ended up walking because of their faith. All because they got him to Jesus. So what does that look like? What does it look like for us to carry people to Jesus? Like I said, please don't come here next week putting a hole in my roof trying to get a friend here. That's not what I'm asking for. (laughs) Don't drag them here. There's still a lot of love, right? It's not a forced thing. But let me show you, we've been talking about every single week, and if this is your first time here, let me catch you up. If you've been here before, let me remind you. Here's the one another's. These are taken all throughout the New Testament. And all we've said is, instead of one another, we're making it a blank. And you can pick up one of these sheets because it's going to be hard to write all these down when you leave today, either guest services or right out front of these doors. Grab one of these sheets and you can start filling in people's names. You can say, well, here's how I can carry someone to Jesus. Here's what it looks like to love somebody the way Jesus has loved me. Be at peace with who? Put a name in there. Be devoted to. Honor. Live in harmony with. Stop passing judgment on. Encourage. Serve. Bear with. Put names in there. Those are real people. It's not just one another's. Maybe there isn't a name because some of those you could put a stranger's name in there. The people that you just pass by on the street or as you're going through your day. Be patient with, be kind and compassionate to. Submit to who? Forgive. Spur who? On towards love and good deeds. Let me stop on spur for a moment because that one, that one fits very, very much with this whole story of these some men. What did they do? They spurred this man on closer to Jesus. And I can't imagine what that paralyzed man's life was like afterwards. We don't know. But understand, that's why we do what we do as a church. We do things together. We spur one another on. It's why we make a big deal about being in groups and volunteering on service teams together so you have people to do life with. It's why Celebrate Recovery is such an incredible opportunity every single Tuesday night at 6.30, shameless plug, go CR, because... Because it does that, it spurs one another on. It says, you know what? Yes, we're going through difficult times, but guess what? We don't have to do it alone. Yes, we're walking through difficulties, but guess what? We don't have to walk it through alone. And sometimes we show up and we say, you know what? I can't even walk right now. No problem. We got people here that will carry you to the feet of Jesus. That's what we do in real relationships. We spur one another on. We don't grumble against, we pray for, we offer hospitality to. That's what it looks like to carry people to Jesus. That's what it looks like to have a real relationship that carries the capacity for great and incredible impact. Let me share with you the very last part of this. Very last part. Verse 26. This is after Jesus said, friends, your sins are forgiven. This is after he said, get up, take your mat, and walk Verse 26 says, everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. See, the faith of those some men went beyond just them and that paralyzed man. Everyone that was there, that crowd we talked about earlier, they were amazed. They were in awe. They couldn't believe what had just happened, that they had seen remarkable things. My kids, there's a... uh, If you're a parent, you know this. If you've been a parent, you know this. Um, There's something that fixes everything for kids, right? And it's one of these things right here. You know what this is? What is this? It's a Band-Aid. These Band-Aids fix absolutely everything. It doesn't take much when when my kids show up and like, Dad, 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 I fell down and I got hurt. No problem. Band-Aid. Dad, I scraped my knee. Dad, I'm bleeding. No problem. Dad's a hero. Band-Aid. Dad, my tummy hurts because I ate 36 packs of M&Ms. Band-Aid. Dad, I don't want to go to sleep. Band-Aid. 
I'm whiny, Band-Aid. I mean, a Band-Aid fixes everything for a kid. Now, somewhere along the lines as you grow up, it doesn't seem to fix as much, does it? But there is this simple solution for a kid's problem that says, you know what, here's a, here's a Band-Aid, it'll be okay. Now, I'm not saying there's a Band-Aid that fixes all things in the relationships, but I am saying there is something simple, not easy, don't mistake in simple and easy. There is something simple that can change everything in a relationship. Something simple that can change the course of somebody's life. Now, again, it's not our job to fix it, make it grow, and create it. Our job is to simply do whatever we can. That simple thing is an intentional act of love. Not a random act of kindness, but a simple, intentional act of love. Mother Teresa said this, and I think this fits very very well with what we're talking about. She says this, being unwanted, unloved, uncared for, forgotten by everybody. I think that is a much greater hunger, a much greater poverty than the person who has nothing to eat. The people in our lives have needs. The people in our lives have struggles. The people in our lives maybe can't walk to Jesus themselves. And no, we can't fix it. And no, we shouldn't try to fix it. Know where your role starts and where it ends and then where Jesus picks it up. Don't underestimate the power of your relationships. Don't underestimate the power of something simple. A simple, intentional act of love that done over and over and over again. Instead of saying, Where's, well, is enough enough? We say, you know what? My love's greater than their mistakes, their personality, their problems, my problems. We don't underestimate what God might do in our relationships. So last question I'm going to leave you with. If not you, then who? If not you, then who? Play this scripture out a different way. What if these some men said, eh, we're busy today? What if these some men said, man, there's really nothing we can do about your problem? What if these some men, hey, we've got a great idea. We're going to try to get you to Jesus. Oh, no, man, it's full. We're sorry. Maybe next time. What if they stopped? What if they gave up? What if they said, we just can't? We don't have time. It's too difficult. I don't know how. I don't know what. That story would be very, very different. Remember the, re the end result? Everyone that saw were amazed, gave praise to God, and were in awe. How might God use you in your relationships? Your close ones? And even with the people you've never met before? And maybe we'll never meet again. If not you, then who? On your way out, I'm going to fix all your problems and I'm going to give you all a Band-Aid. <laughs> no, it's not so you can fix people. It's going to serve as a reminder starting this week. Let's start small. This week, put this somewhere, put it on somewhere where you'll remember to do something simple that may make a big difference. You're not responsible for the difference part. That's Jesus. You're responsible for, I wonder what would happen if. If not you, then who? So let it be you. Let's get people to Jesus. Let's carry them if we have to. Let's get there ourselves. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for the, the responsibility that you give us, the power that you put in our hands. No, we can't make things grow. No, we can't create things. And no, we really can't even fix people. We can't change their hearts. But you've given us the incredible responsibility and opportunity to just get them to you. 
to point them to you in our relationships and everything that we do with all the one another's as we pray for one another and as we, we, we struggle with one another and we serve one another, as we spur one another on, you give us opportunities to point people to you. And when that happens, who knows what you're gonna do? We just get to stand back and watch you do something that only you can do. God, we might even be in a season ourselves where we are relating more to the man paralyzed. And I can't do this on my own. And I've tried and I can't walk anymore. God, regardless of who we relate to, let us have people in our lives where you are the focus. But we never lose focus of the people around us. In Jesus' name, amen.